There is only one disposition or attitude that will ultimately save us. It's the attitude of humility, reverence, repentance, submission. Any other attitude, such as pride or entitlement, and we are destined for hell. Only humility, repentance, reverence, obedience to God will save us. Today, Jesus gives us the parable of two men who go to the temple to pray. One in his pride tells himself, I don't know if you notice that, he's speaking to himself this prayer. Shows how self-referential he is. He tells himself how good he is and how much better he is than everyone else, especially that tax collector who also happened to be there. The tax collector, on the other hand, humbles himself before God. He recognizes and confesses that he is a sinner. He's so repentant and humble that he, he doesn't even raise his eyes to heaven. He rather beats his breast and confesses his sinfulness. And Jesus tells us that it was the tax collector who goes home justified and not the Pharisee. The only disposition that will save us is that of repentance, of humility, reverence before God. Repentance and humility is necessary for salvation. This week's Pine Knot did a nice article on our window project that we just finished up. I don't know if you had happened to read it. And so Brady Slater came this past week and talked to me about you know, what was going on. He reached out to uh, Tim Fosness and Dan Tierney as well. And in a long conversation, you know, and asking questions, you never know what ex- exactly they're actually going to, what angle they're going to take and what they're going to write about. And so I was really edified when he, the theme was kind of on the sacredness of this building. That why we maintain it, preserve it, why all of you were so generous in contributing to the campaign for our building and maintenance needs was because this building is a sacred building. It's special, and it's worth preserving and maintaining. I was talking to someone recently who recently converted to Catholicism, and she said what really struck her about Catholics in particular was that they had sacred spaces that we have spaces that are set aside only for worship. Nothing else takes place here. Other Christian communities that she was visiting and testing out noticed that that wasn't always the case. They would have their all-purpose kind of areas that they would do all sorts of things there in addition to their worship. Why do we have sacred spaces? Why is the sacred so important? The sacred is important because it creates the space, the environment in which we can approach God with the right attitude and disposition. What is that attitude? That is humility, that is reverence. The sacred space, the sacred, allows us to confront God with that right attitude. In fact, where does today's gospel take place? It takes place in the, Jerus- the temple in Jerusalem. The temple in Jerusalem was the most sacred place on earth for the Jewish people. In that temple, you had the Holy of Holies. 
that contained the Ark of the Covenant with the manna and the, 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 the stones of the Ten Commandments and Aaron's staff. It was the most sacred space. It was there that the tax collector was confronted by God's majesty, his greatness, and also his littleness, his nothingness. And he recognized it and approached God with humility. Obviously, it's not automatic, right? Because the Pharisee was also in the sacred temple. But that didn't, was in his right disposition or attitude. The sacred is that which is other, that which is even a little mysterious. So we have our sacred space here. We use a sacred language even in the church, Latin oftentimes. But even the English, you'll notice, the translation we have is a little more formal. You wouldn't use that English language a lot of times when you're, you know, running to your buddy down at the hardwood store, for example. We have sacred music. There's many beautiful, even Christian religious songs they might hear on the radio, but not those aren't necessarily appropriate for the Mass. They aren't sacred. They aren't set apart for the liturgy. We have sacred silence. Sacred ritual, right? You know, we genuflect, we kneel. You know, we're holding our hands up here like this. You know, you wouldn't see me walking around town like this, you know, or we wouldn't be genuflecting, you know, down the aisles at Super One. We do this in the sacredness here at Mass. We have also sacred vessels. We have sacred vestments, okay? Again, you wouldn't see Deacon and John and I, um, you know, walking down in the park dressed like this. We have the sacred smells and the sacred bells. All of it reminds us that God is present. It reminds us of his, his majesty, of his greatness, that he is our creator and we are his creatures. The sacred isn't meant to keep us away from God, but create that space so that we approach God with reverence, humility, and obedience. And if we do so, like the tax collector, we will go home justified. The sacred, the mysterious, it's necessary because it creates the space for us to approach God in humility, reverence, and repentance. Finally, how do we grow in humility? What are the steps to humility? St. Teresa of Avila, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, says that prayer and humility are the necessary steps to move from one level of mansion to the next, to grow in holiness. St. Benedict says, humility is the ladder by which we climb to heaven. In a sense, we go up by humbling ourselves. So what are these rungs? What are these steps on the ladder of humility? These are all the things that the saints have said. First and foremost, humble and regular confession. Humble and regular confession. We can't be humble unless we actually repent of our sins. Confess our sins in the way that Jesus and his church gives us. That is the sacrament of confession. Sometimes people... I think we just don't think deeply enough and we'll say, well, I don't do much wrong. I haven't killed anyone. I haven't stolen a car. Well, have you loved like Jesus? That is the standard. Have you loved God the Father as Jesus loved his Father? Have you loved your neighbor as Jesus loved his neighbor? That is the standard. Have we loved like Jesus? St. John Vianney, who is the patron saint of priests, 
In his small little town of ours, where he was the pastor, he was known for weeping and crying. And one day he was in the church weeping, and this man came up to him and said, Father, Montpierre, why are you weeping? And he says, I'm weeping for your sins, because you do not weep for them. I'm weeping for your sins, because you do not weep for them. Humble and regular confession, first and foremost, to help us grow in humility. Second, patient endurance of suffering or inconvenience. That we accept these things and we don't complain about them. We don't say, oh, I don't deserve this. Because in fact, you're right, you don't deserve it. You deserve a lot worse. Because of our sins, we deserve damnation. We must fight the attitude of entitlement. That if I'm saying I don't deserve this or that, nothing bad should happen to me, then I'm saying I'm entitled to something which we really truly are not. And I'm not speaking about abuse in any way. But there's sometimes we think like nothing bad should happen to me. Like, no, I need to have humility. I need to accept these things and offer them back to God. St. Thomas More the great English saint during the English Reformation, stood up to King Henry VIII, who wanted to divorce his wife, who wanted to start his new religion. And and St. Thomas More would not agree to it. And so St. Thomas More was put to death. He was executed. And while he was in the Tower of London, he wrote his last letter to his daughter Margaret. And in that letter, he said, yes, this is unjust what I'm experiencing, that I will die for this. But it is just that I die for my other sins in this way. He had that humility to accept what came to him. So patient endurance of suffering or inconvenience is helpful to grow in humility. Thirdly, we need to take advantage of humiliation. No one likes humiliations. (laughs) We all experience them in some way. I was thinking today, you know, moms and dads, you've all been through it, you know. Mass, you got your kids, maybe they're having a bad day, they're crying, they're screaming. And it's humiliating, right, to have your kid making a, a fuss like that. Well, praise God for that humiliation. Praise him for that. Okay, It's keeping you humble, it's helping you grow in holiness by offering it to God It is redemptive. It is meritorious. Finally, the saints would say, don't just confess that you're worse than others. That's false humility. But actually learn to believe it yourself. St. Bernard said, the humble person knows his own helplessness. He knows his wickedness. He has a low opinion of himself. All his trust is in God. The humble person sees other persons' virtues rather than their vices. He makes excuses for other people's faults. St. Bernard says, We cannot know our neighbor's motives or intentions, but we know our own. We know our own motives and intentions. And therefore, don't just seek the lowest place at a banquet or a dinner, but seek the lowest place in your own heart. Seek the lowest place in your own heart. Humility, 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 my friends, it is so important. Humility is how we grow in holiness. It is the foundation of the spiritual life. When we come to this beautiful church, 
when we offer a beautiful sacred mass, we're confronted with God's majesty. And we can approach him like that tax collector with humility, reverence, and repentance. And we do this knowing and trusting that when we humble ourselves, he will exalt us. God exalts those who humble themselves. God lifts up the lowly.